0: You're listening to the Tony Stewart Podcast, where Tony interviews financial literacy advocates who are changing the conversation on money, so you can catch up on the latest trends and ideas in the world of financial literacy and education. Welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined today by Michael Gilmore. Michael is the founder of the Money Awareness and Inclusion Awards, as well as an author, and a research director at Albizia Capital. Michael, welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thanks very much for having me on, Tony. This is is a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to having a good chat about financial literacy and money and what we can do about it.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to it as well. So, you know, as we get started, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your origin story? How did you get started in financial literacy and financial wellness?
1: Yeah, it's actually, it came about by accident. So I, one of the reasons I'm particularly, I mean, possibly more keen on financial literacy than most people who work in finance is because I didn't want to work in finance. Um, that wasn't my goal. I was a, a writer, uh, a postgrad researcher uh, studying economic history. And then I accidentally got a job in finance. And I was. I thought I'd get like three months to to learn what I was doing, and they said start on Monday. So I, I went and got all the books. This is pre-internet days, so I went and got all the books I could find on, you know, on learning about money. I remember one was called Pocketbook MBA, and I think the second one was I tried to get all the way through Ben Graham's Intelligent Investor, um, and I sort of just just dived in. And before that, I had the same feeling, I think, about money and finance that l- lots of people do outside of it, which is it's all kind of scary that these people all wear suits and they want to keep us out and they use big words <laughs> and they act with big egos deliberately trying to frighten us. Um, and I felt exactly those feelings. Uh, but once I got in, I, I spent this sort of couple of month period and I remember it so clearly, it was learning very quickly. And I sort of thought, actually, none of this is as hard as I thought it was before. And I remember thinking, okay, this is actually not that complicated, number one. Number two, it's really, really powerful. This is, and I immediately thought, okay, I'm really grateful I'm learning this. I can see that I'm going to put things to work here for the rest of my life. Um, but then this third emotion hit, which was anger. I was just incredibly angry that I'd spent, you know, 12 years in K 12 education, like everyone else, another three years in university, I'd even done some post grad full-time education, and no one had ever bothered to teach many of this stuff. Uh, and I was like, that can't be right, that we're still doing that to other kids today. And it was just like, and that anger maintains. It's like, I don't see school as being something we give to children. I see school as us taking their lives away. We take away 12 years of their lives. The one thing we could do is teach them about the one thing we know they're going to use when they get out. Uh, And it's just we know that for a fact. So that that's that hit me then. And I promised myself at some point I would start to address this. And I've done that in a number of ways. I really started to ramp that up about 10 years ago here in Singapore, uh, working with migrant workers. I was invited to work with migrant workers here. And they're such a great group to work with because they've they've left their families behind to earn more money. They want to, to send it home, but they also want to save it. And so I was working with groups there and seeing the psychologies that they were or the the habits they were trying to build, the psychology they were trying to use to do that. And that led to writing a book for them and a course for them, which then led to writing a book for my daughter um, and then another book that I wrote last year. And that led eventually to thinking, I think I need to do something a bit bigger than books. Uh, And that's how all this came about.
0: Fantastic. Um yeah it's, <laughs> that's a great story. It, you know, and it's interesting that you mentioned the intelligent investor. Uh that's one of my favorite books. And listeners to the show have heard me mention the book. But what's interesting is that so many of my guests who are in the financial services industry bring up the intelligent investor. It's not necessarily the Bible of the financial services or in, investment industry, it's but it's
1: it's clear. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ben Graham invented everything we do. I mean, it's I just today I was I was writing in my day job I was writing about the companies we invest in, and you know, and I'm there using margins, uh, you know, uh, pri- you know, return on equity, price to book, the, all the stuff that that Ben Graham looked at. You know, got to be getting on for a hundred years ago now. Um, you know, so yeah. Yeah, it's, um, so yeah, it is It is. It is absolutely essential in the industry. I would always stress that if anyone's listening to this and kind of go out and get the Intelligent Investor, there is one version which is Ben's original words. Don't get that one. Get a revised <laughs> one that's been written by someone in the last 20 years so the language is a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, I, I would 100% share that recommendation. Uh, you know, the original is a little bit impenetrable. It was actually it one of my ben. college textbooks.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, fantastic a book though yeah. definitely uh, so you know as we talk you know is you know what inspired you I mean you, you talked about it a little bit so far but what inspired you to start the money awareness and inclusion awards
1: yeah I think it was really um, it was, okay there's a number of things uh, let's cut it down to just two the first thing was working on the books and I was very lucky to be invited by Wiley, who published the, the book that I wrote for my daughter called Happy Ever After. And once I'd finished that, they invited me to write a book for their little book of series, um, you know, which is mean, an incredible privilege. I mean, considering that, you know, the little book of Common Sense Investing is written by John Bogle, um, you know, the little book of Valuation written by Aswath Damodaran. And then they, they came to me and I was like, okay, that's quite amazing. So I, I've, 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 I have written that book now, and it just got published uh, last week or week, two weeks ago. But the, as I was writing it, I had this thought process of, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if that's a bestseller? And then a little voice, you know, the kind of red – we do this thing in fund management where we have red team, blue teams, and we argue with each other, and we argue with ourselves. Um, and I engage that arguing, saying, okay, but, you know, what, kind of, what would a bestseller mean? I was like, well, maybe that's a million copies oh, that would be amazing, like the blue team thinks. And the red team's like, yeah, but what problem is that addressing in terms of financial literacy? What is the problem of financial literacy? How big is it? And I don't agree with the numbers that say that two-thirds of the, the world is financially illiterate. I, I think it's more like 99%, like on a real, you know, can you invest? Do you know how you need to invest? I mean, the, the, the one-third of the world that's financially literate is using a very low bar and I go, okay so really the whole world we need to get the whole world and what's 1 million copies out of the whole world it's like 0.001% and and it's not even the 1% that really needs addressing i mean they're buying books you know they're going to buy another book instead of mine they're they're looking for a book on finance we need to address a bigger problem than this and so that was part of it i was i was searching for an answer that would be a bigger answer than you know a, another book and then my daughter, my younger daughter, is a film student. And before she went off to film college, she dragged me to the cinema. It was one of the last things we watched before, before she went off was um, the Korean film, Parasite. Now, it had just come out in Asia. No one had heard of it in America. No one had heard of it in the UK. When she got to film school, no one had heard of it there, uh, not even the teachers and she's like, but this is an amazing film. It could play, It could win an Oscar. And everyone's like, no, Korean films don't win Oscars. They might be the best foreign film. And of course, we now know that uh, Parasite won the Oscar. But through last year, uh, as I was really thinking through about developing the, the Myers, uh, there was a, a phenomenon that the number one show on Netflix was a show called Squid Games. And Squid Games was a Korean Dysfunction, uh, you know, post-apocalyptic dysfunctional drama, very, very along the lines of of Parasite. And I think that win by Parasite didn't just change the 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 box office numbers for Parasite; it did, but it changed the inf- it changed the ecosystem. It changed what people thought. It changed what people were looking at, and that's huge. And I, and I suddenly made me realize that what award shows can be. Because we all think of award shows as being an opportunity to pat each other on the back. Um, And, you know, so aren't aren't I great? You know, let's look at famous people. Uh, But you realize they can actually be uh, something that helps catalyze and create an an ecosystem, a feedback loop where people know what's good, what they can, what they should work on, who's doing great work, who's, you know, what, what areas they could focus in their own work, what they should do, and become a talking point, become something that brings things together. And that made me realize that when I look at the world of financial literacy, there's a lot of people like you and like me who think this is really important. And there's a lot of people who don't disagree with us, but don't hold it quite as strongly as us. And we need to catalyze that and bring it together and say, no, no more messing around, no more waiting 10 years to get this into a few schools here and there and debate whether it works. Let's not let any kids, you know, go out of school now without learning this. Let's let everyone get out of school understanding money. And I thought, that, well, the thing I could do is start an award show. Luckily, I have started one before. Um, it was not very big, not very serious. It was just about raising money. But it had made me realize that no one owns awards. You can just create them. And as long as you take them seriously and you build them properly, then you can create something out of nothing. And that's what I'm trying to do with the Myers and I've been very lucky to get some incredible support doing that.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, well, it's an exciting concept. and I think what's really important is the words in the title money awareness, which we've discussed and inclusion. Uh, You know, tell us a little bit about why you feel that inclusion is so important.
1: Yeah, because it's actually very much part of, of, to me, financial literacy. People aren't being included. Um, It's just the way we've treated money so far is that if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. Uh, But what don't means is you're left out of the financial system. In many ways, even if you're in a developed country and you, and you might be considered included in, in sort of, you know, development economic terms, you might have a bank account, et cetera, et cetera. But you might not be included in the stock market. You might have decided not to. You might be saving into a, into a savings account or some other form. Um, inclusion goes into many ways, and it, it, but it requires education. Uh, and there's actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because there's a, it, they're also in a very specific order. Because people have talked about financial inclusion a lot in, say, the last 10 years, particularly in the developing world. To me, I think financial inclusion must come after financial education. Uh, And every non-American I speak to gets this joke, but I'm going to test this with an American now, which is, you know, having financial inclusion without financial education is like having gun inclusion without gun education. You know, you just, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want to kind of run around throwing guns at people without any education on how to use them. If you do that with financial inclusion, you will get very expensive debt running through that economy. And and we see it right now across the world with BNPL sprouting everywhere because fintech is out there saying, I've got this great thing and all these people are going to come in and use my wallets. And they do use the wallets and they don't make any money. So then they start lending them money at really high rates. And until you've educated people to say, but only when you really need it should you be taking that debt, and when I say really need it, going to die if you don't take that debt that's when you take really high debt, otherwise you don't take high high price debt um, and you know that's the level of education that just is lacking. People take high price debt because because they see something they like online um, and and that's where we need to to build that in all kinds of ways
0: definitely well, you said a couple things in there that I think are uh, important. Um, well, one, I want to clarify for everybody who's listening, uh, BNPL is buy now, pay later. And it's, it, 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 as you mentioned, it's a very catchy trend, especially uh, promoted by fintechs. I think PayPal uh, has been pushing it quite a bit. And it's a form of a loan. As you talk about, it's a very expensive form of debt. Sometimes, I think quite a bit higher even than credit cards, right? on some of the it can terms. Be. Or, it de-
1: depends depends on the structure. Yeah, it can be. But it's very opaque. All the structures are very opaque and they like it that way because the people then borrow more.
0: Definitely. And I, I like the gun analogy. However, unfortunately in the US there's quite the gun culture. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you know uh, <laughs> we we definitely want to stay away from that topic. But I, I think everybody can agree that a little education is important before you hand somebody a firearm. It's just a good course of action, no matter where you stand on the spectrum. of uh, exactly. Firearms.
1: Exactly. Ed- education before inclusion, and and that's where we went, and that's why we went with the structure, money awareness. We also didn't use the word financial literacy because, or the words financial literacy because we we feel that they they they're, ex- they're in just in the terminology they're a bit exclusionary, and again, it's just like you know, are we saying to people, that, well, no, number one, if you talk about finance. Half of your audience just blanks. Um, they've they've been preconditioned to think they don't understand. Um, and, 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 you know, if you're, you know, that is that their fault? Maybe. But if I'm in sales, and this is another thing that I, I hope we do with the Myers, is encourage people to take, in our world, to take on a more sales approach. We want to sell to people. We don't want to teach them. Teaching can mean I just talk, you listen, and if you didn't listen very well, you get a low grade. No, I want to sell to people. I want to sell to them the idea that they can understand money better and then change their lives. And then because then if I don't sell well, it is my fault. Um, And I I have to bring that to, to the game a little bit. And that's where we don't use the word finance. We use money and we use awareness because it's not literacy, it's really just an understanding of what's around us. And it also incorporates that sort of concept of mindfulness. Now, we're not gonna get all meditation-y on this, but you know, awareness and mindfulness of, of what we spend and what we do with our money is crucial to the, whole, um, uh, the whole message.
0: Fantastic. Well, I think that's a great point. I've gotten away from the term financial literacy, but more because I think literacy in itself can be an intimidating word that most people are not yeah. familiar with. However, that's an intriguing point about the word financial, because as I, you know, as I talk about financial wellness, is I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that even financial wellness may be unapproachable for some people. As you you mentioned, I don't know if we can call it money wellness because that doesn't sound quite you know quite right either, but. Uh, but that's a
1: bit of, but it's it's like but that's the kind of thing that people in marketing would do. I mean, really good advertising. They would just they sit down there and they go to what what hundred terms could we use? Which ones would work? Where they wouldn't they work? I had a conversation with someone a while back, and they're talking about how do we. It was a conversation about how do we get young people to you know understand and start taking up pensions much younger because they need to. And I was like, what? Well, stop calling them pensions. It's your fault. You know, everyone knows a pension is a thing you draw down when you're old. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a thing for old people. You cannot educate people away from that mentality. That's what the word means. You need to give your product a new name. You know, that's what that's what marketing does. If, if someone associates with that, you move the thing. So call it a freedom fund. You know, tell people they'll be free when they have this much money. Tell them that's what they're saving for. And you'll find 20 year olds will say, I, I'm saving to be free. Yeah, I'm in. Right? Rather than I'm saving to be old. No, you know, that's, that's what they think a pension is. I save up and I'll get to be old one day. It's like, not, I'm not gonna do it. Uh, and, and that's where we have to constantly think. And it, this was, this is one of the things that's actually in, in the Myers structure as we try to talk to the organizations about where they're innovating and how they're communicating with specific communities. Um, because that's what we want to see. We want to see more of that thought process on really understanding who the community is they're talking to and, what, and how they've understood them and how they've engaged with them.
0: No, that, that, that's a great point. Um, so, you know, as, you know, we start to wrap up, um, you know, I, I want to make sure we really talk about the awards themselves and how people, you know, can support the awards, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about the categories and, You know, the ceremony, you know, a little bit of the, I guess, procedural.
1: Yeah, Yeah, the ceremony. That's going to be on May 31st. Um, It's going to be, I'm going to be right here because it's going to be online and I'm going to be looking into my laptop screen as I am right now. But we're very lucky that we've got a, uh, as a host for the evening, we've got um, a lady called Jeanette who works for, she's worked for Sky News and BBC News as as an anchor. And she's agreed to anchor the event for us. Uh, we have, so I'll be one of the guests that she's bringing on to to talk about it. And then we'll also have Patrick Jenkins, who's the deputy editor of the Financial Times, and also the chair of their uh, financial literacy and inclusion campaign that they launched, uh, I think, beginning of last year, or or just a little bit earlier than that. And then we have, uh, I think, our Third and fourth guests are, are Professor David Fernandez from the Singapore Management University, who's the, the head of the Asia-Pacific Financial Education Institute. Uh, I was actually trying to remember that one. It's quite a long one. And then we have a, 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 a fintech entrepreneur, a lady called Rosalia Gitel, who runs a, a fintech that's aimed at... At women in developing countries, and she's one of. And so, Dave and Patrick and Rosalia were were three of our judges. So we had eleven judges in total, coming from a, a range of different backgrounds. As you can hear, we've got a fintech lady, we've got a you know a financial journalist and a and a professor in there. But we also had uh, influencers. We had uh, some more fintech business people. We had a couple of fund managers in there. Uh, so we had a really nice range of people who use money and use money to communicate and they're very engaged in financial education and and financial literacy so that was the the first thing we had to do is sort of pull together that judging panel and they've been um in their in their own ways and in their own places judging the the awards that came the entries that came in we had about 150 total entries that came in into i think initially about we had about 15 categories but we've actually kind of got rid of some and reallocated some uh, some entries. So we're going to come out, I think, with now with sort of 11 different categories. There's some pretty simple ones, like, you know, the best book and the best influencer. But also there's some more sort of specific indus- sort of industry type ones. So we've got things like, you know, the best nonprofit working with school-aged uh, children, but also best nonprofit working with adult, uh, you know, adult education. Uh, we have... Some really interesting entries that that we've seen come in, you know, from places like, you know, as far apart as stuff here in Singapore, in my home, uh, but all the way to Peru, uh, in Ghana, in the UK, in the US, to really a very global representation in all these different categories. And so the 150 has now been whittled down, I think we're down to about uh, 40 finalists across the, all the different categories that we have at the moment and we're hoping that we come out of that with 11 winners uh, by may 31st that we can announce then so yeah it is they're from all over the place and I've seen every single entry uh, and it's just fascinating what people are doing in different places and what I hope we we all get from this is we all get involved in in I think even if you didn't enter and even if you didn't win, to actually see this as uh, this is somewhere we can learn about what other people are doing on this subject matter. Are they doing it well? Are they doing it badly? If if we think they're doing it badly, we can get involved and say, look, I can, I can help you. I've got these, these materials um, that I think you could improve yours. Or if they're doing it well, say, look, can you mentor me? You know, I'd like to, to see what you're doing. A really good example of something that's come out of this is, um, I was on the phone with someone from a, an organization in Australia who's working to get uh, financial literacy put into schools in Cambodia, which is a, a great project. Um, and because they want to aim at getting it into every school in the whole of Cambodia within a five-year timeframe. And I had just three weeks before had a conversation with someone from Hong Kong who'd introduced me to someone in Gambia. No, sorry, sorry okay, that's right, Zambia. Who is, who is getting financial literacy into every school in Zambia across every age group, and they're negotiating with the government right now how to do that. And Zambia might be the only country in the world in the next couple of years that has it in every classroom, uh, which it would be incredible for, for Zambia. But that level of connectivity in those conversations, I feel we lack in our industry as financial literacy, and that's what I want to bring to this is so that everyone can come to this so you know it's supporting the myers just reading what you know our entries do it's supporting us by entering it's supporting us by you know interconnecting telling people about it saying if you've got friends i mean anyone watching this has got a friend who's doing some kind of project that's in financial literacy you know say to them okay you missed this year but get in for next year um because the more entries we get the more acknowledgement that those entries get the more people see what's going on feel talk about it understand the bigger we can make this community the more pressure we can bring to make sure that we are teaching everyone whether it's kids which it has to be i think first but everyone's catch up and that everyone starts to understand money properly
0: that, that sounds great um because as you mentioned it is interesting that africa is one of the countries or i mean not. Continents, I guess, that financial literacy is really had some significant momentum. Ghana, Kenya, Kenya, Zambia, you know, South Africa, you know, they're they're big financial literacy movements that it's really caught on, uh, which is really amazing. Over some quote unquote industrialized countries that you might it, think would be further. Yeah. Ahead.
1: Well, I think what's happened is that there's been a realization. Globally, there's lots of people like us, Tony, who are realizing not only have we been left behind, but people today are getting left further and further behind. Finance isn't getting simpler and it never will. So unless we start learning the basics today and teaching everyone the basics, people are going to be left massively behind. And I think that's more obvious in emerging countries. And so the people that get it are saying, "Okay, I can help people as well for almost no money. I mean, handouts are handouts and they are necessary in some places and in some situations. And that, you know, financial literacy isn't going to solve poverty on its own. But there are some situations where financial literacy is really making it a lot worse. And and that to me is we need both of those solutions. And I think it's more obvious in really poor countries that you need both. You need to teach people what to do with their money so they can make more optimal decisions so i do think it's it's very interesting i uh, rosalia who i mentioned earlier on as one of our judges she is friends with a lady now in nigeria uh who is making a series on financial literacy for netflix that will become global in the next year or so Uh, Uh, that's amazing i I know right i mean but it's so big in nigeria and uh, and this this woman is so popular and the Netflix said, yeah, we want you to make a series about learning how to use your money, how to use it well, um, and Netflix is financing that. So there is definitely, you know, there is definitely the demand for it and there's the supply for it. But at the moment, there's no marketplace enabling it to meet. And that's what I, I, I'm not suggesting we can become that marketplace, but what the Myers can hopefully do is, is catalyze some better connections and make sure that... We all have better information. So we can be a bit more efficient. I, I know when I wrote the first things I wrote on financial literacy, I thought I'd invented a wheel. And I think a lot of people go through that process. And so I was like, oh, look, look at that. Look what I've just done. And then you realize, oh, other people have done this. Okay. Um, but we could reduce that. We could st- start standing on each other's shoulders a little bit and say, look, we can. Money's not very complicated. Um, oh, sorry. Take that back. It's, uh, it's not complex, it is complicated. Complex being something that's actually really hard to understand from the beginning, but complica- uh, complicated things are like a, an amalgamation of simple things. So most things in money can actually be understood quite simply and you, uh, the problem is they just need to get layered on and layered on. So it's a question of small steps. And that's what I think we, we can do. We need to just start that process, get people involved in the early stages. Yeah, and that's what I hope we can, we can get done. And that's what I would, I'm, I mean, and as I said, it's not the Myers getting it done. What I hope we can do is we can encourage more people to do it and to see better work and that our winners will do it.
0: Definitely. Well, it sparks more conversations. And as you point out, is that's, you know, what I'm, one of the things I'm concentrating on is helping to connect and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, raise up the profiles of other people who are doing financial education work. Uh, so Michael, as we wrap up, what is your number one tip on financial wellness?
1: Yeah, I, I, it's for me, it's about understanding. It, it's taking small, simple steps. Um, the, the analogy that I've used in, in the most recent book, which is the little book of Zen money, is that the understanding money is, is like a path. Um, and I think when we think of the analogy of a path, a lot of us think of like, you know, it's sidewalk or, you know, in a a, a concrete path. But actually I think of it, as coming from the countryside in the UK, as one of those countryside paths, which is just across a field. And really, when when you're at the beginning of the path and you look across the field, you can see the path. Um, Because it's just trodden down grass. It's just, that grass is just bent over a little bit more. And it Mm -hmm. reflects the sun in a slightly different way, and you know exactly where it is. If you kind of come in at the side, It's invisible. It's not reflecting any light back at you at all. It's just gone. The path disappears. And it's the importance of actually understanding that when you're on the path, you can see the path. And so the importance of just taking really small incremental steps wherever you are on that path. So if, for example, you've never saved before in your life and you think you can't save a dollar in whatever frequency you need to do to make it regular habit, Saving that dollar and and doing the thing which is all important, saving it first, not, you know, not uh, refuse to accept that people can save at the end of the month. That's not saving. That is accidental, not spending. You know, you save it at the beginning of the month. That kind of small step and whatever it is, can then build through small steps into the ability to know how to understand, uh, to to understand how to invest and build a portfolio and build a financial security, but they're small steps and they have to be small because too often, because we don't teach it well, we say to someone who doesn't know about saving incrementally and, and and budgeting and planning and tracking, we say to them, Oh, what you need to do is this tax advantage scheme here for self-employed people. And they're looking at you going, well, they don't know how to save. There's no point. They're coming at the path from the side. So to me, it's about really small steps and, of being getting at the beginning of the path, knowing where you're on, then taking small increma- incremental steps forward. That to me is the biggest tip because other things take you off the path and you don't know where you are.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's a great tip. I, I love that incremental steps, you know, at your own pace. Uh, so yeah. Michael, where can people learn more about you? And of course, where can they learn more about the Maya Awards?
1: Thanks, yeah, Tony. It's it's. Uh, so our website is m um, a i a w a r d s dot org, so that's M-A-I m um, a i awards m a i awards dot org, and we we tend to be quite um, focused on LinkedIn. If you look at the Money Awareness and Inclusion Awards on on LinkedIn at the moment, although starting to spread into some of the other social media. Um, into Instagram and Twitter and, and a little bit on Facebook. In the second half of this year, after the awards have been announced, one of the, the prizes that we will be giving to the, award, the 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 winners and the finalists is we'll be doing podcasts with them and interviews with them. And there'll be a lot of content to find out about who the winners are and what they do. Uh, and so you'll find all of those on on the social media as well. But they will also be on that, that website, maiawards.org.
0: Fantastic. And for all the listeners and viewers, um, those links will be on uh, the website in the show notes. So uh, you can access it there. So Michael, thank you very much for joining us on the Tony Stewart podcast.
1: It's been a real pleasure. And Tony, thank you for doing this. I, I absolutely love that you do this. And I I love how actually people in financial literacy uh, are, do all want to work together. I think it's one of the best things about none of us are competing. We all know that this is we're all working together at the moment. Uh, we talk to each other so thank you very much for doing this and inviting me on
0: well you, you as well thanks for taking us on and, and I agree with you as I think in the financial education financial literacy you know whatever word we choose is that there is this um, feeling that we're in this together and that you know coming together we can be more powerful than traveling our own paths so yeah
1: 100 percent. that's great thanks yeah. very much thank
0: you, Yeah. Thank you, Michael. And thank you everyone
1: for tuning in to the Tony Stewart podcast until next time.